people in the room today. I can't preach like that. So we're going to take two minutes to give some fellowship, hugs, and love to the people next to you. Let's brighten up our auditorium here today. All right, let's bring it home now. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Now I feel like we can get into our sermon today. Oh, Lord, it can't stop. Look at that. Give them the one and one, two. Give them two and one, three. Give them cookbook, one be Betty Crocker. All right, I'm going to go through our, hopefully you got a calendar announcement sheet. Uh, I just want to go through that. If you don't, you can listen up. There's more at the door on the way out. But I'm going to go through a few things. Uh, we will not have a midweek service this upcoming Wednesday. So uh, it'll be a great time of fellowship. Whatever you need to do, you can do it. But this Friday, we will have a singles devotional here for the singles, a Christmas party devotional. And it'll be an all-New York City campus devotional this upcoming Friday as well. So just want to make note of that. We need to make arrangements for our plans, different things we're going to do. We're going to have just two midweek services this month on December, or the month of December, I should say. December 6th is going to be a men's midweek service. And then on the 13th is going to be a Christmas potluck party. Now, we're going to be talking to the mission team leaders. We'll bring the potluck food according to the mission groups that you're in. Uh, but we're just going to have a great time of fellowship, great time of fun. And uh, we'll give you more details on that this week and next week. Uh, so we're a couple of weeks away, but we just want to make sure you know what's going on there as well. Uh, we will have worship service here, as you see, every Sunday in the month of December. Even Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, our normal 10 o'clock worship service here uh, at this facility, just so we can make plans. Now, if you turn it over to the month of January, uh, we're going to have a workshop the first Sunday in January, a Bronx Ministry Workshop, which is, we're going to go through everything for the whole year, make sure everybody understands what's going on. But I want to make note, our midweeks are going to change. So in other words, a midweek, we'll have a marriage midweek, and this is what it will be like the entire year. So the first Wednesday will be a marriage midweek. The second one will be a parenting and family midweek. And then we'll have, uh, the third one will be a singles. And it says transition ministry, but that's going to be, we're creating a new, it's called a bridge ministry. Uh, it's where you'll find out the workshop. Come to the workshop. You'll find out what it is. Um, but that's more with those that are between campus and singles ministry. That's what that more is, more of. Now, each of these midweeks are going to be like a, uh, it'll be like a marriage workshop. So it's not just going to be, here's a lesson. It's going to be exercises, interactive activity, uh, just like the parenting and family. It's going to be more of a workshop kind of thing than let's just come and sing a song, have a lesson, and leave. It's going to be more interactive for us in each of these. Uh, just so we can know ahead of time. Now, here's the thing. We're thinking, well, we got all of our kids. How are we going to handle all that? The way we're going to set this up, since we have this facility, we'll use the library as a study hall. So if your kids have homework or something to do, the library will be a study hall. And we'll have some people in there that can give some tutoring to the kids that may need it as well. You say, well, I'm just getting home from work. we got to eat. Bring a little sack lunch. The cafeteria, cafeteria will be where people will eat. You can have uh, food and fellowship in the cafeteria. So we can still bring our kids, and they can either do their homework or they can eat and have fellowship. We want to make sure everybody's needs can be met 
But we got to figure out, okay, what's the best way to do this? And we've been blessed with this facility, so we need to use it to the max in what we're going to do. So, now that's a couple of months ahead of time. So we got plenty of time to plan this thing out. We'll talk about it. If you have any kind of questions, please ask Sam Powell all about it. As many questions as you want to ask him, just go ahead and do that. <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't ask him nothing. He's out the picture now. Uh, but talk to me about whatever it may be. Uh, if you also look in January, there's an all-New York teen lock-in that's going on, uh, the 13th and 14th. There's a lot that's happening, which is why I want to give you calendars a month ahead of time so you can plan things out. But at our workshop, uh, the goal is to have everybody have a calendar for the entire year so you can see what's going on for the whole year. You'll know what's going on at Singles International Conference, August 31st through September 2nd. You'll know what's going on in Rhode Island, July, as we do that, our conference with New England Conference. All those things will be on your calendar so we can plan accordingly. Amen? All right. That's about it for the announcement. Turn over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. It's the first year I didn't get to eat chitlins for Thanksgiving, but that's all right. That's some good stuff. Y'all know what y'all missing. Some of y'all don't mind missing it either, huh? Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 9. And we're going to talk first of all about Matthew. Now Matthew was a tax collector. And the tax collectors at that time, the tax that they need to tax the people, they would do that, but they would add on additional tax to it and whatever they made over what they taxed the people came to them. So the Jewish people did not like them because they themselves were Jewish, but they were working for the Romans. So they considered them like expatriates, you know, traitors to their country. Because you're Jewish, but you're taxing us even more than should be just so you can have a wealthy life. And so as we look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting, on the, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This was an incredible statement by Jesus. He told the Pharisees to go and learn what this meant. And this was a major slap in the Pharisees' face. Because they knew the books of the law. And they did so many things to look good. So they knew and they understood, but they did not have the heart that God was calling them to have. See, these Pharisees were religious leaders, but simply following the law out of duty and not out of the heart behind it. So when Jesus said, go learn what this means, that's just like the most insulting thing to them because they were so intellectual. They knew everything. They may have known the words, but they didn't understand the heart behind it. If we don't guard our hearts and long to understand God's heart, we ourselves will become religious Pharisees. It is so important for us to understand the why and not just what to do. 
They looked in verse 11, they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, they were so concerned about how Jesus looked instead of where his heart was and what he was doing. See, in the book of Luke, Jesus ate 14 different times with people. There's nothing wrong with eating with people. But they got caught up in, well, look at him and look at how he looks and what is he doing? So Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He quoted from the book of Hosea, which what they should have all known because they were such intellectual Pharisees. And he says, go and learn what this means. Now this is a challenge for you and me, to wake up every day and to make a decision, we're going to be committed to God. That's not easy, guys. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like, oh, that's just a breeze. It's not that easy to get up every day to focus on God, whether you're driving to work, whether you're taking a bus, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, to make it all about God in your mind. That's not an easy thing to do. But let me say, we have 35 more days until the end of this year. Sam gave the challenge back when it was 77 more days. I talked about it when it was 42 more days. Now I'm talking to you again when it's 35 more days. 35 more days. If you have a time with God for the next 35 days to make one decision to help you be more like Jesus 35 times before the end of this year, you are so much more like Christ before this year is over. That's the best way to start a new year being more like Christ as you end the current year. It's not just knowing what to do. I always say, if you can explain something to a seven-year-old, you really know the meaning. You ask a seven-year-old something, they're going to say, why? When you tell them why, they're going to say, why? When you tell them why, they're going to say, why? They're going to keep asking you why until you lose your mind or you know what you're talking about. So we've got to ask ourselves, so why are you here at church today? Why do I read my Bible? Why should I forgive somebody that's hard to forgive? Why should I love somebody that's hard to love? Why should I be a great student in school? Why should I be a great example at work? See, we know and we like a to-do list. Because when we check that to-do list off, we feel good about ourselves. It's not about a to-do list. You've got to know why you're doing what you're doing. And many of us need to change our perspective. It's good to have a new perspective, a fresh perspective. Because if you don't change your perspective, you're going to slowly be lulled into being a religious Pharisee. Spiritually crippled and then spiritually dead. Because you're just so caught up in the routine instead of the heart behind what's going on. So we need to be sure that our hearts are real and we're not just going through the motions. If we stay in a comfortable place long enough, that's exactly what we'll become, blind to our religious lives. So I want to talk to us from the book of Hosea today. Turn over to Hosea, Old Testament. He's the first of the minor prophets. And the minor prophets, that's not a, a, a bad thing. That just means that, you know, the major prophets, those books were a lot longer. The minor prophets are short, shorter books. It doesn't mean that he wasn't worth much. But he was the only prophet to come from the northern kingdom of Israel. And he ministered in the final years of that kingdom until Samaria was destroyed. Literally, Hosea means salvation. So when people said, Hosea's coming to town, they're saying, salvation's coming to town. That's a good name for a prophet of God. But we're going to look at, bless you, Hosea chapter 1. And as we start out, I want you to understand, first of all, Hosea was a real person. This isn't a parable, or no, some, some, uh, some thing just to give you an illustration. Hosea was a real human being. Now, Hosea represents God. 
His wife, Gomer, represents the Israelites, but she also represents you and me. So as we read this, and we look, when we look at the things that Gomer does, we have to take a look. This is talking about me. And so as we explain this, the whole thing I want to give you, we're going to go through the, the book of Hosea, not every single verse, but the whole book to give you the understanding, because I want to show you the heart of God's love from the book of Hosea. This book is described as the book of love. And this is important because we normally look at 1 Corinthians 13 and we talk about love is patient, love is kind. And again, we like that so we can check off. I need to be patient. I need to be kind. You are pretty. You are special. You are. We like to check those things off. But you can't check this off because this is your heart towards love. It's not a checklist. This is, okay, let me see God's love. Let me understand what love is really about. Now, I don't know if y'all down in the dumps or y'all still got turkey hangover or something, but we got to make sure we, we're alive and active here today. All I need is just some nods, some eyes, or something. Okay, okay. It's like I got to use a Jedi mind trick or something. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery and departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblium, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses or horsemen, but by the Lord their God. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Goma had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. First of all, the Lord said, Hosea, you are a righteous man. I want you to fall in love and marry a woman. And the woman you marry is going to become an adulteress. She's going to have kids by other men. But I want you to fully commit yourself to her, build a house, take care of her financially, take care of her food. You take care of her health by You give your heart to her. And she is going to be with other men, not just once, not just twice, but even a third time. Now, first of all, that's a sermon in itself. Because God calls you to go do that, how quickly would we be willing to do that? Knowing we're going to be hurt. Knowing we're going to be treated this way. But this man of God said, Amen. And he went out and did it. Her first son, they had, in verse 4, Jezreel, literally means revenge. Now imagine the type of anger he must have had when he had given his whole heart... He may, maybe he was thinking, man, God, this prophecy may not come true because things are going so well in our first year of marriage. And then all of a sudden, she's pregnant by another man. And so you are to name him revenge because the Lord was going to get revenge. But think of Hosea himself, first of all. You know he probably wanted some revenge himself. Secondly, they had another child, Lo-Ruhamah, which literally means not love. Now, can you imagine? You're walking in the market. Hey, that's your child. What's his name? Not love. What are you going to do today? Hey, I want you to do y'all. This is not love. Come in the house. Not love. It's time to eat. Not love. You talk about scars. 
think of growing up and your name is not loved by your parents. See, we think we have a hard time with Shaniqua and all the names we have going on, but this is not love. And then they have a third child, and that child is named Lo Ami, which means not my people. Again, imagine, not love, come on in. Who's that? That's not my people. I mean, those are some very strong names that are given there. Now, again, we need to understand Hosea married her out of passion, out of love, and she broke his heart again and again and again. Now, before we start getting all upset and critical of Gomer, we got to ask ourselves, have we not done the same thing again? How many times have we chased after something else? Money, dreams, the passion of lust, selfishness. So before we start throwing stones at Gomer, we need to realize we are Gomer. That's who we are. I thought this was a happy message. Oh, it is. It's about God's love. But before you can see God's love, you need to see who you really are. A lot of times we don't want to see who we are. We want this to be like a movie. We can just watch it. Oh, it's not really real. And that's in the movies. No, this is real life. This is who you are. Every single one of us in here has chased after something other than God before. Because you're Gomer, I'm Gomer. In chapter 2, over time, you can just imagine how, what Hosea must have felt like every time he saw his wife. And this is the same town. And he's got, she left him to chase after other men, left him with the kids to handle too. So now he's got not love, revenge, not my people. They're walking through the market, and there's mama over there prostituting herself. Well, Dad, what is she doing? Don't worry about it, son. Let's just go. Now imagine what that must have, those conversations day after day. Imagine what the other kids must have been saying to not love and not my people. I saw your mama down the street the other day. You know they were on them. We can get upset, but go back to ask yourself, how many times is God watching you from up in heaven? Like, what are they doing? Why? Why are they chasing after the flesh? Why are they doing that? And just as he's thinking why, Hosea is trying to explain to his kids why. Look at what happens in verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. For then I was better off than now. Can you imagine that? In her mind, she's thinking, you know what? I sure had it good when I was back with Hosea. And now look at me. Again, the grass always looks greener on the other side. And we know why. There's more manure over there. And we're sitting here looking at it. We're thinking about it. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, i got to come to my senses. Why can't I go back to Hosea? And you got to remember, they weren't divorced. They were still married. And she's like, I had it so much better off. And you know what? I've been around the church 27 years. I've seen a lot of people leave. And when they leave, they think, you know what? I sure had a good when I was back in the fellowship. I sure had a good when I was back there and I could hug people and love people and call them up and do things. And it was so good when I was back there. But then sometimes they have so much pride, they don't come back. Not that we won't accept them. Hey, God has said, I will accept you back. But sometimes people's pride keep them from coming back. They'll say, oh, well, they, they won't forgive me. Oh, they don't treat me the same. You haven't even tried because you're so prideful to even come back and see what happens. The message of Hosea is a message of love. God saying, I love you. See, a relationship is conditional. God married or had a relationship with the Israelites, but they kept turning away to other gods. Even as a disciple, 
you can start turning away to other guys. You say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. You're right, it doesn't make sense. But sometimes we do, we turn away. And we think, you know what, let me chase after my dreams instead of God's dreams. You know what, let me just bury my talent because I could be doing so much more in the church, but I'm not because I'm kind of comfortable right now. You see how you don't get nearly as many amens on that one? Because there's so much talent in here, but we're loving ourselves more than how much we can serve in the kingdom of God. And again, God is like, why? After all I've given you, why? I need you. I love you. And then he says, you know what? I got to buy my people back. This is what God is saying. I got to buy, buy them back from who? From Satan. Because now Satan has taken over. You look at Gomer. She's going after the flesh. There's no more spirituality. It's all about the flesh. So many times we get caught up in this and Satan now owns us once again. But God says, I got to buy them back from Satan. Satan, what is it going to cost me to buy my people back? And Satan thinks, I'm going to ask him the one thing that he is not going to do. How about you give me your one and only son? Would you buy these wretched, pitiful, adulterous people back for your lovely son? God says, I'll pay it. You know, that must have freaked Satan out. What? But he said, I'll pay it. I'm willing to pay any price for my people. Do we even realize that? There is no price God is not willing to pay for you. There's nothing God is not willing to love you through. So many times we think, oh, I messed up. Oh, I got problems. Oh, I can't get over this. Oh, you're thinking that. God is like, I love you through whatever if you just come back and give me your heart. We'll come back to Hosea, but turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Here's why. Because here's some of the things we say to ourselves. We say, well, God, you probably lost faith in me because of all the things I've done. Well, you know what he says in 1 Peter 5 verse 10? And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You realize God says, after you suffer a little while, I'm not going to send the evangelist to restore you or your mission team leader or your best friend. I myself will come and restore you. Out of this big planet, God knows who you are sitting in that seat right now. And he says, I know you and I will come myself. The Bible says he himself will restore you. See, God wants a personal relationship with you. You say, well, wait a minute. What, maybe you've lost trust in me, God. Look over in John chapter 14, verse 1. Sometimes you feel like, does God even trust me anymore? I mean, I just, I just can't seem to overcome. Listen, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. He said, listen, I trust you. Do you trust yourself? You got to trust in me. Sometimes we doubt that God will love us even though we pulled away, backslid, which is no such thing, first of all. We, we backslid and pulled away from God. You know what? I want to pray to him, but it's been so long. Only person's changed is you. God hasn't changed. But we say, well, does he still love me? In Psalms 136, it says 26 times his love endures forever. The Lord of Lord is love endures forever. The creator of mountains, the love endures forever. The God of God, the love endures forever. 26 times he's telling you, my love will endure forever. Stop making excuses and come back home to me. There's no price God will not pay. Aaron read about it, John 3:16. He would give his one and only son for our sake. See, the key to understanding Hosea is to understand who you really are. Hosea was a real man. He went through real tragedy. Gomer, that's you. That's me. But we need to have a different perspective when we read Hosea. In order to understand Hosea, we need to understand who we really are. Look back in Hosea chapter 5. 
That's one of the hardest things for us to do is to is see ourselves as one of these characters in the Bible. Because we have so much social media, we want things to be like social media. Oh, that's just something I can like or dislike. That's not real life. Look at chapter 5, verse 15. It says, Then I will go back to my place until they admit their guilt, and they will seek my face. In their misery, they will earnestly seek me. It says, in their misery, 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 maybe then they will seek me. The fact is simple. They had to get to rock bottom in their lives before they sought God. It's the same God that took them out of Egypt, that helped them cross the Red Sea, that allowed them to wander in the desert for 40 years and not a sandal get worn out, that gave them manna, helped them cross the Jordan, helped them defeat the enemies. This same guy that did all this for them, all of a sudden they forgot who he was. This is the same guy that's helped you and me get alive, get to where we are today, have whatever place you're living in right now, have the clothes you have on your, your back. This is the same guy. How can we turn around and forget him just like they did there? Sometimes God puts you in tragedies because that's the only way you come back to him. He can't get us to pray sometimes unless there's a hardship in our life. And he's like, if that's what you need, I'm going to make it hard every day until you start to pray. There's no amount of work that can save you, but only God can bring us back. Look in chapter 6 of Hosea, verse 4. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. You know what uh, the mist is like? It's like it's there and it looks great and it feels good, then it just poof, it's gone. We've got to ask ourselves, is that what my relationship with God is like? I can have the best quiet time in the world. As soon as I close it up and I walk out, somebody say one thing to me, boom, I done snapped out of it. I done forgot what I read. I, done, I went back to my earthly, sinful nature that quick. How many times you go to church? This is a great time at church. Get in the car and get an argument with your family. In the car, leaving church. Where you want to eat? I don't know where you want to eat. Why are you always asking me where I want to eat? Why? In the car, after church. Sometimes it don't take that long. On the way out, in the hallway. You standing there talking. Can't you see the long line behind you? We trying to get out. Well, there you are talking to fellowship. Move out the way. If you had a horn, you'd be honking and honk, honk, honk. See, we got to ask ourselves, what is it really like? Is my relationship with God like a mess? I read it and then I just forget about it? See, 35 days, make one decision each day. Not just read it and emotionally feel good. Make a decision to change something about you so your character can be different and more like Christ day after day after day. See, when you do that, then you can say, I know why I'm going to church even though I don't feel like it. Because I'm going for God. I'm not going for people. I know why I'm singing. I can't sing on key at all, but I'm singing because God loves the tone of my voice. Now, I don't know if you're clapping that said, I can't sing, or you clapping that about <laughs> But see, this is why you know, this is why I need to forgive that brother. Because of all the stuff I did, and God still says, I'm willing to buy you back. I want you back home. See, it makes it a lot easier to forgive that person you've had attitudes with. Because you've had attitudes with people for a month, a, a, a year, you got to start asking, am I really a disciple? This is where a self-evaluation has to come in. Am I really a disciple? Would Jesus have an attitude with somebody for a year, two years, three years? You don't understand what happened to me back in 2002. You know what? Whatever you were born, the doctor slapped you and you got over that. The issue is, are you being a disciple of Jesus? The issue isn't what everybody else did, it's what are you going to do? Look at Hosea chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like a worthless thing. 
So what he's saying here is that Israel has become just like every other religious group. See, guys, if we don't have love, that is the distinguishing factor in us and any other congregation. We will be just like everybody else if we don't have the love of Christ in our lives. Again, we can read through 1 Corinthians 13, and it'll give you a list of things, but even if you did those things without a loving attitude behind it, it's meaningless. It means nothing. Love is the distinction. You say, well, why is so-and-so happier than I am? Why aren't they as tired as I am? They work more hours than I do because they're doing stuff for God. You say, well, why in the world is Lynette Spencer always smiling? I get tired of seeing her smile. She must be fake. She's faking it because nobody can smile that much. She's a faker. Maybe she's happy in Jesus and you're happy in Satan. You got to ask yourself, who's living for who? When you're living for God, you get happy in your life. But if you're in this, this, this kingdom of grumpiness, bitterness, that's Satan's kingdom, see? You live in that kingdom of bitterness, grumpy, being critical, you're not going to be happy. You're going to walk around looking like Dr. Spock all the time. You don't know what's going on. I just don't understand. I just can't be around people that's just happy all the time. Well, you don't have a place in heaven then. Because everybody in heaven going to be happy all the time. Listen to me. I know we love God. As a, as, as a congregation, as the Bronx region, you guys, as a church, the guys did great in the special contribution, giving over a million dollars. As a Bronx region, we've been doing, meeting our budget every week and our weekly contribution. Amen. That's been going great. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. If you're putting your treasure in the kingdom of God, your heart is in the kingdom of God. So you got to ask yourself, where, where am I treasuring? See, we're all gomers, and God wants us back. He loves us so much, he's willing to pay whatever the price may be. And look over in chapter 11, Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Hosea 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But did they not realize it was I who led them? I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. They will not need to return to Egypt, and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? Swords will flash in their cities, will destroy the bars of their gates, and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even if they call to the Most High, he will not by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zebimon? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God, not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from Assyria. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. God says, you deserve destruction and ruin. But I'm not like you. I'm not man, I'm God. And because I'm God, instead of giving you what you deserve, I want to give you love. 
I want to take you back. This is like Hosea saying, you know what? He goes down to the market, and instead of looking at his wife down there prostituting while he has his kids, instead of thinking, I want revenge, she needs to be punished, that's what she gets. He says, how much to buy her back? That was the first thought he had, how much to buy her back? He was willing to buy back his wife and to bring her back home to be with her family, to forgive her completely, and continue to love her. God says, you, you've turned away from time and time again, but I'm still willing to buy you back with the death of my son Jesus, to bring you home, to be with me, to be with my family, and to love you unconditionally. I want you back home with me. This is what the book of Hosea is saying. What we saw Hosea do with Gomer, God is doing with us. Then the issue for us is this. How many times am I going to turn away from God? He did all he could to buy me back. Am I going to continue to turn away from God? Seriously, you look at what Hosea had to do and what God expected of him. Now I ask, what does God expect of me? He expects me to have a time of reading and prayer every day. And if I see somebody in the city of millions to share with at least one person about God. You take that compared to Hosea. Go take care of this woman. She's going to cheat on you. Have kids by other people. But you still love her through it and bring her back. Man, we look at our, what we're called to compared to what he was called to. There's a huge difference. So we got to ask ourselves, why can't I have a time with God and reading a prayer every day? Why can't I share about God with at least one person every day? See, it's just that simple, guys. We make Christianity too hard. God has done all the hard work. He said, I've done it all. Now you just need to experience my love, come into my love, and now we need to help other people understand about my love. First and foremost, we need to live the life. Secondly, we need to share that life with other people. We don't need to wait till tomorrow. It needs to begin today. You say, well, I didn't have a quiet time this morning because I was waiting for your sermon. That was going to be my quiet time. It doesn't work like that. This is a lesson for us all. You need your own personal relationship with God. So I don't have it. Well, then you need to go home today and spend some time with God. Because he loved you so much, he gave up his one and only son for you. God extended love and mercy, and we need to do the same. Just as Jesus said it, love as I have loved you, so you must love one another. To God be the glory, amen.